What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Uh, thank you so much, Jay Wegman, for letting us record in your office. And New York University. At Skirball Center. Um, as we await our guest who is going to be putting on a show here. And they have complimentary dum-dums and uh, there, Nestle Bite Size. There is. There's Nestle Bite Size. There was dum-dums. We were offered coffee and water, but I already brought my own. Were we? Yeah. Did you want one? No. Because I have can, my we can step Chinese out when our, milk tea. When our, when our guest comes, we can do a quick refresh and maybe get some water. So I was in the middle of telling you that, so ladies, gentlemen, and other, first of all, right away, we have a video up, a new video up of the dance and stuff show. Um, highly recommend. There's two special guests on it. Oh, yeah. and, I really was like, what? And, um, can I just say the first time I watched the uncut or the, 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 the first cut, let's uh-huh. say, the, first, of, the, of that, the original uh-huh, uncut uh-huh. of that dance and stuff show, uh, it made me really sad. Why? I, say. I was like, it was um, depressing. Why? It was endlessly long and went absolutely nowhere. And uh, it was mostly just, it was a lot of me saying things. You really, that day, you really want to talk. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but I love the end of the video then and the end of the video now. It makes me laugh so hard. Oh it because um yeah, you have uh uh what is what would I say? Um like when someone doesn't want someone to go and someone doesn't want something to end. Mm-hmm. Um they have mm-hmm. uh like they uh Separation anxiety. Oh, interesting. I wouldn't have gotten there. Yeah, a kind of separation anxiety, which you don't have because you actually like being alone. It was more like separation calmness, weirdly. It, it didn't feel that anxious. No, well, you don't do anxious. Right. So, but you'll do behaviors when around, you don't, when me to end. Around, around something, yeah. You do love along, as we know, as our listeners know from this podcast. Oh, anyhow, you can watch the video on our YouTube channel. It's out. It's up. It's out, it's it's out, it's up. It makes, it it made me laugh during it and it made me laugh when I watched it. Um, I ran into Jeff Heller last night. Oh yeah. This be, oh, touche. Uh And I said, I was in the bathroom of a movie theater and I say, I say, oh my gosh, it's so nice to see you. Where, where has your podcast been? How come we haven't seen any touche lately? And he goes, well, touche. That was what he said. Because I think I basically said, there hasn't been much touche these days. Well, touche. <laughs> That's nice. You just filled it in. You just filled it in for you. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, as we were walking to the building, I was saying, and this comes up on the on the video, we, we do talk about P50. And P50, if you're listening, I would like you to be our sponsor. This whole podcast is now an advertisement for P50. Uh, well, this, well, the video, we do talk about it and, and wait, can I just say, can you even believe that you, between you and me, uh-huh. two people who are, you know, vain narcissists uh-huh. that you and I in our 40 years of life have never heard right. of it. I also want to say How today, can that be? your skin looks good. Well, this is the interesting thing. Like, it's bringing out blemishes. Right. But, yes. I noticed 
that too in my first application was a couple of things came out, which Did I you, was like, yes, immediately a couple of things came out, out. Yeah. Did you immediately feel that like the texture of your nose changed? No, because I didn't really use much on my nose, and also my the pores on my nose are not a smaller than yours. Right, my yeah. huge, yeah, greater. Yeah. yeah, I didn't the sort of tingling, burning thing they talked about. I didn't really have so much of that. Nor I. <laughs> um, I was really like, I don't think my skin is that sensitive. I've lived in New York for over twenty years. I go down into that subway and probably get rinsed with chemicals like daily. daily. I'm definitely if you live in New York. So the controversial thing with P50 is this phenol thing, right? right? So anyhow, so yesterday I go to Rescue Spa. Um, and I would like Danielle, I believe that's her name, to be a guest. I want Danielle to be a guest. On, so I get her. She was the person who helped me yesterday. Skin, we'll do skincare episode. And I really... So I go in. I'm feeling kind of... I had a lot of... I had this this window of time that was really weird. So I go into... A uh, rescue spa before a commercial edition I had. And <laughs> I... <laughs> so depressing. It was actually amazing. The oh, commercial okay. edition was amazing. And you're going to live for... I think you'll live for this story. So um, I go in and I see the woman who helped you. I'm pretty sure. She has a Russian accent. And she goes, Daniela, you help him. Um, this woman comes over to me and she's like, hi. And I... We instantly, it's one of those instant New York connections where you're like, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I tell her a little bit about what's going on with my skin. And I was like, do you really think P50 is that great? And she said, if I had to tell, if someone came in here and they said, I'm just going to buy one thing. <laughs> I can't I believe would, our podcast is an ad for P50. I would have it. I would tell them to get this. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So I ask her some questions. I ask her how to put it on. She does the whole thing. She shows me the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so my friend got it without the phenol. And she goes, you should get it with the phenol. And I said, <laughs> and I go, well, but what is that? And she's like, phenol isn't, and I loved this response. She goes, it's in many of our household cleaners. <laughs> we, it, it gets used frequently by us. And she goes, and it's in throat spray. And I said, you mean like chloroseptic? And she goes, yeah. And I said, oh, I've used that a ton. I will absolutely put that on my she's face. She's here. <gasps> our guest is here taking a pause. You've yeah. been around Reed very frequently. Yeah. You know, in proximity. At, at other shows. Performance. At other shows. shows. It's just, show. you know what, I paused it and then I just pressed play again and I'm just like, we'll just have it keep going because oh, I know, going. because yes. I know we, we have, have you for, I know we have you, you know, not, we just have like an hour of your time because you're I'm currently, keep track of the time. you're currently the, the most busy woman in showbiz. Busy, busy beaver. You are just, ladies and gentlemen, other, uh, we are here with my dear friend and really, I would say, renowned performance artist, well. Adrian Truscott, <laughs> who yeah. is opening not one, but two shows yeah. this week. That's right. And the fact that, thank you for in yeah. doing, for in this moment, coming and talking with us. I am. I'm really, really it grateful to you. To how totally together I am, or how desperate I am to see you and sell tickets. I but I <laughs> people. I'm. Well, I'll tell you what. I have my tickets all set. Reed's Ooh. coming for Wild Boar on Saturday, right. a show that I have been wanting to see for two years. Is that yeah. when? Is that when we were in Melbourne at the same time? Yeah. 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 When we was that? April. 20, like April 2017. April 2017, we were both there. You were making... So, Wild... We're going to dive right into Wild Boar. This show is with you and... Um, 
Ursula Martinez from London, Zoe Kumsmar from Sydney, and Krishna Istha from all around the world. There's a new person in it. Before it was just the three of you, I thought, mm-hmm. wasn't it? That's true. Okay. <laughs> they play a very minor role. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but that, who's, and is Krishna, was Krishna in the one in Melbourne? Krishna did work on the show in Melbourne. Okay. Okay. And is she in it? Do I sound like I'm being suddenly vague and mysterious? You're allowed to be because yeah. this way people will have to come to the show. Exactly. Yeah. You're allowed to be. Oh, there's maybe some surprise. Okay. Mystery. Please, I wouldn't be that cheap. Right. Or would I? <laughs> or would I? Um, so, and you were all in development of it way back then in yeah. in the spring of 2017. And mm-hmm. you did it at Malt House. We did. Right? Mm-hmm. And... What is the show about? The show was about, well, like, we all sort of met because all three of us, Ursula, Zoe, and myself, were touring in a similar circuit in the UK and Australia, New Zealand, and all three of us do a sort of intentional blurring of, you know, forms. Mm. So we all make evening-length pieces and stuff, but uh, we also do, like, like Ursula does a sort of burlesque comedy, queer drag stuff. Um, Zoe does a lot of stand up, some of it in drag. And I, as Baba's sister and myself, would do sort of, you know. And I think as all, we, we like to do the big shows, but we also like to like insurgently scoot into these other places where we're not meant to be and try to do something horrible by the time we leave. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and so we would like chat at the artist bars or whatever after shows. And we would find that we were frequently being spoken about in, in one another's company in articles and reviews. Um, sometimes in ways that were obvious, like, so, you know, performance, Frequently nude performance artist, so and so, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But then we started Frequently noticing nude. like more disturbing things, <clears throat> like the word wacky uh, for uh-huh. all of us, you know, uh-huh. kooky. Mm-hmm. And like, if it was wacky and kooky for us, you'd see like with a guy something like in a similar kind of way, like genius absurdist John yes. Johnny John wow. and yeah, yeah. we'd be just like wacky kooky ladies with yeah. like genius absurdist yeah, yeah. genius <laughs> absurdist Johnny John and wacky kooky naked lady yeah and, um, <laughs> occasionally nude yeah right. and then and then there was this really like we were constantly not being given credit for doing what they saw on stage to uh-huh. absurd degrees like, yes. like the thought that we had in we had intended something and achieved it right. regardless of whether you liked it. But, right. and like, especially in that context, it becomes hilarious because you're literally doing the same show every like 30 nights in a row. Right. So for instance, one show that I got reviewed really, really badly would say each review would say that I seemed to run out of material because with the last 15 minutes of my show, I seem to run out of material in, um, a, in a show that's kind of like questioning what's funny. Like, is funny a joke or is doing nothing absurdly? A right. jo- it's funnier. Right. And you're just like, you guys, do you like 
I'm 49 years old. Do you right. think I got to the theater every fucking night? And accidentally. And it, yeah, and every ran night I was like, material. I can't believe I haven't <laughs> yeah. written anything here. What a ding dong. I really should have thought of something. And it was like, but it's like yeah. real. Yeah. You know? um, I deeply, deeply. Like, so one know. of the reviews yeah. that we quote in the show, the, the reviewer constantly is like, says something and then goes, or did she? Like, or uh-huh. was she? And, uh-huh. So we noticed this in a lot of our own reviews, and then we thought we'll look beyond ours, and we found constantly that, like, in queer, experimental, feminist performance of all kinds, there was just, like, this utter utter unwillingness to engage and even see it, and then, and no awareness that, like, if theater was never meant to have you in it in the first place, maybe you need to excavate a little space and like right. redo the form. Right. Um, and then, you know, I was, and then, uh, then it gets that That's fun so thing. important. I really want to, I really want to just pause for a moment yeah. on that, that if theater, if there wasn't a place for you in the theater and you have to excavate a space for yourself in that. Yeah. I think that does bring up then, of course, and what's so exciting about the show, and I can't wait to see it, is then it's like, well, then who are the critics who wanted that form of theater, or in reads in our, my case and your case, mm-hmm. actually, dance, mm-hmm. who wanted to keep a real sort of, like, keep their fiefdom, you know, it's only this, it's just, it's mm-hmm. a beautiful, like Balanchine said, it should be a beautiful flower, and mm-hmm. that's all it is, that 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 is, of course, going to be so disturbing for them because they have, you're, you're asking for there to be room for you and they don't want there to be room for you. Yeah. And I, and it's really interesting where that, I remember having this conversation when Brian Siebert did the review for Nightlight Bright Light and Mm -hmm. uh, Justin, I had a whole phone call with Justin Bond about where femphobia and homophobia hold hands so tightly and like where misogyny spills into this. And, uh, it's, it is this thing of, well, where is my space? Like if, and I will make it for myself. And then you get to find out who doesn't want you to. Yeah. And it's that thing where like you realize that without like just to attempt to see your own existence, yeah, you've been interpolating and deconstructing as a, like as a survival mechanism aesthetically or actually just yeah. so that you can exist mm-hmm. yeah. so you've been doing all this work which is why then when you start to make it it's coming from this place that's like already taken bits apart yeah and put them back together differently there's a kind of almost journalistic thing that i think happens and this is i feel where and where i really with you have also felt a deep kinship of where i have felt um, our audiences seem to get the humor, but where other people haven't gotten the humor, mm-hmm. which is this thing around uh, where the queer or the woman or the person who has been pushed to the side can does indeed take on a journalistic, almost journalistic approach because they're outside of, they've been asked to be pushed outside. And mm-hmm. from outside, they are able actually to get this really big vantage point. Yeah. And that level of object relationship is something that I find so brilliant in your humor. Your humor comes from that you see it all and then are inhabiting it while commenting mm. on it is something that I've really seen in the work. Yeah. And they're like, I feel like they, I mean, I remember talking with you too about 
I forget the exact language, but a review. And, it, and this is another thing that showed up constantly where like the one person, the reviewer who doesn't get it, mentions like the absurdity of how everybody was laughing. Oh, yeah, yeah. As right, though right, that right, couldn't right. possibly <clears throat> equate with the fact that it was funny. Right, right. It's, a, it's such a good that one. That was, well, that was yeah. funny. And like, I right, alone right. seem to be the only one not well, finding it funny, but yeah. with all this, like... With Bright Light, Light, Bright Light, it, the insinuation was that the audience was all, must have been friends of yours. Yeah, that, yeah. that's the... That was everyone like the, in the, the audience Literally everyone in Abrams Arts Center, in the main theater of Abrams Arts Center, was my friend. Yeah. And that's why they were all laughing. As that is an incredible notion. I it's mean, you, you have almost no friends. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's that true. would have been really overwhelming. I, I, I do. I really, it really has come down to just a handful yeah. these days. But yes, that was really, and um, by the way, because you and I had texted about like clips of, or reviews to maybe put in the show. I'll yeah. send you that. Yes. Review. I think the friend review is a really good one where the person is like, everyone liked it because they were their friends. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It was so really preposterous, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly speaks to a level well, of rage. In a similar way, one of them, um, there's a review we talk about from one a piece of Zoe's that's like this, there's all these death scenes. It's about like all the great death scenes and Shakespearean and blah, blah, blah. And then, and there's tons of blood. And then after that, there's a seven minute cleanup scene with like people from the venue mm. t- cleaning up the blood mm-hmm. but it's set to opera music and choreographed and then the reviewer came away who like was scandalized by the show absolutely hated it and then said there was one part I liked and then describes that as though that were not intentional I've also um, gotten that review and then and then yeah. she's and, and around it she says did I enjoy this show? No. Have I had interesting conversations about this show? Yes, but not because of the show. Rather, rather, because <laughs> of the excellent company I keep. Like your, oh, like your, wow, like your amazing. dinner party. You know, you're just like you don't think the show was maybe meant to prompt conversation. Conversations. <laughs> It's really incredible. Is Wait. that an indictment on our friends? I'm confused. It's, it's a, it is a real, it is a real confusing thing. So Wild Boar is, it's, it's this thing of, it's the three of you and, and both, it sounds like, I mean, because I haven't seen it. E-O-R-E. Yes. Not the pig animal. No, no the boar no. animal. But the, but the <laughs> boar, because I'm, it's what a boar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the three of you in, inhabiting while commenting, indicting yeah. on Critic, uh, criticism that happens around uh, not only your work but other uh, work of people who aren't fitting into a more um, patriarchal, mainstream, heteronormative uh, narrative, etc. Is that yeah, correct? yeah, absolutely. And it's a yeah, it's a show showing you at a maniacal depth and pace that we are meaning to do what we do yeah so it's super like inception-y you know just sort of like it keeps falling back in on itself like a prolapsed (laughs) yeah that you you, right right that that yes indeed imagine this i've gotten all the way up on stage and I did mean to do this. Yeah. I actually rehearsed it and I wrote it and I choreographed it. I've gotten reviews that it was like, 
that have praised, uh, or like in, um, I want you to want me, but there was a whole, their young, the younger dancers were praised and da da da, as, but also as if I hadn't cast them and choreographed them. Right, like right, right, was, right, right, right. As if, as if yeah, they'd appeared of their own accord. Right, it yeah. was just, as if you hadn't intended for them to look right. young and beautiful. To look young and beautiful and for that part to look like the young, beautiful dancing <laughs> right. as a way to talk about ageism in the field. I mean, it's really, yeah, yeah, incredible. Well, I, I remember Alistair Macaulay at a, um, American Realness on my piece to freedom that had these builders come in and it was very oh, I minimal. Loved that piece and there's this little so teapot much. that, that yes. pours incessantly. It was so incredible. Which is like to me the the main poetry of the piece. Yeah. Which and is then, because she offers doesn't she offer Jillian tea? Doesn't yeah. she say because I remember seeing it at the kitchen. <clears throat> yeah. And really because I'd seen the Valvao sisters, I had seen and I think I'd seen something else. And I remember seeing that piece and feeling and I'm not just saying this because you're here and we're recording it. I remember truly being like, I've never felt so enchanted and I'm so jaded. <laughs> like I'm so jaded and so bitter. And he is hard to enchant. I'm very hard to enchant. And whimsy does not work well on me. Oh, whimsical we get called a I'm lot. generally like, no, 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 no. But I mean it in the best yeah, way yeah. of like that there was this, that there was this poetic and this, in, for me, this enchantment of this thing with the teapot, but it was also in how she offered it to Jillian and how Jillian's response, Jillian Walsh was mm -hmm. in it, and Jillian being like, yeah. There was a kind <laughs> of like flatness as well to this offering of something, and then the offering went on forever, which yeah. was so heartwarming. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Anyhow, the teapot. Well, the funny... Alistair hated the entire thing. Uh -huh. I'm not a good enough dancer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And then he just said um, something to the effect of like, but there was one moment that, you know, and it was this teapot and that was pure poetry or something like that. Like the language isn't even interesting that he uses. But, but again, <laughs> like the woman in Zoe's review, it's like he was smart and special enough to observe the poetry and thus name it. Mm -hmm. Poetry, mm -hmm. not that I, as the maker, mm -hmm. was smart enough to create it. the mm -hmm. poetry. Right. This right. like delicate yeah. little tiny thing, yeah. in, in in the midst of all this. That's in the that is set in the midst of all this chaos. Yeah. That's all about labor. Yeah. And there's this whole thing in the piece that that piece was so fantastic. What's happening in the piece is, I mean, you are. I remember you having a movement score. Mm -hmm. You have headphones in. I remember Neil Medlin adjusting so lights and I think also it's DJing memory. at mm -hmm. one point while Carmine and didn't Carmine help a group of people build? Uh, yeah, and they were actual labor, like day laborers that we well, would a, go down and hire every day from the Williamsburg Bridge. Well, a group of day laborers built a small house. Yeah on stage mm -hmm. and everyone was paid the same amount of money in this piece mm. and it was looking at the various forms of labor both from manual mm -hmm. into into dance which is uh, this other and the manual vulnerability of, of being watched while yeah. you work where for us it's intentional and for these laborers it's dangerous right. sometimes because right. a lot of them are you know were illegal well and also even how they were and to watch the, to for them to be aware of how they were being watched by this audience and also when I saw it originally placed at the kitchen, mm -hmm. which is then it also brought up these things about class division and yeah. who gets to perform and what does performance mean and performativity and all of these things, 
It was so fucking brilliant. And that inside of this labor and chaos and Mikey... Mickey. Mickey. And Mickey Marr was Mickey, in it. Mickey Marr's New York debut. Thank wow. you very much. You made him a star. I did, made him. Did an incredible solo <laughs> that was so bizarre yeah. and, and kind of had was working in all of these different planes of movement. And inside of all of that labor is this one moment of offering someone something that goes on forever. Mm. This end, yeah. The endless tea. It was so good. So Mom. Wild Boar came out of you all looking at looking at these and being like, okay, well, let's really make a piece about and let people know that indeed, yes. Well, yeah, this and is then what like, I meant to make. Back to your thing about the who's who as the reviewers don't want to let what they are establishing as this is the form. This right. is what it looks like. Right. They're also the ones that made the rule like don't respond to your critics. Right. You know, like that's so simple and obvious and, and right. craven mm-hmm. suddenly. Mm-hmm. That there's mm-hmm. there's this because that stupid rule, like it is wrapped in this sort of aesthetic authority that you should therefore be like, right, if my work can't speak for itself, why would I speak for it? But that's actually like, who, you know, like, who made good that criticism up? is so brilliant. It's right. so generous about right. like connecting an audience and work. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we were, and then because we're known as like rule breakers, you know, whether it's drag or something goes in your body or comes out or whatever. We would just like, well, then we would break that rule, wouldn't we? So we're just going to break it, like really smash it and just respond to the critics. So the entire text is found text from criticism. And so what we did was both use, use existing critique to critique the thing you're watching in real time, which is a critique of a show that's a play. But then also the other fun part, so that's fun because we actually, I mean, just to keep all of the metaphors around the asses, we tear them a new one. Um, You know, it's also like the utter flip side where a show is just like so appallingly bad that some of the most like luscious, terrible writing in the world gets done. You know, Mm -hmm. like the really juicy Mm -hmm. bad review Mm -hmm. where the show's so bad that like, the anger and the rage and the genius of the affronted person just turns into this like acrobatic language landscape. And you use some of that language from other people's shows. Right. So then sometimes we get like one example is one of my favorite quotes by Rex Reed where he describes um, Mm -hmm. Al Pacino in um, a David Mamet play. Can you get grosser than that? I mean. And he says Al Pacino (laughs) Walks like an anchovy and looks like an unmade bunk bed. (laughs) And then I was just like, how do you do that? You'd have to be a brilliant actor to intentionally do that. You like, would, I mean, to walk like an anchovy and look like an unmade bunk bed is pretty... Pretty good. I just want to pause for one second because your phone is buzzing. No, it's not yours, is. No, mine is. Oh, it's Adrian's. It's my mother. It... Wow. Cute. Were those? Oh, she was calling. I thought that Time was. On. I thought so that was sorry. text messages. I was like, that's a lot of text. How was it for the three of you to develop the show together and to go back and to to, mm-hmm. to read your own reviews as well as reading other people's reviews and to make the work? Um, it was really satisfying to mm-hmm. just like to read them and compare and you know have be be newly outraged, but with a with an intentionality to the outrage. Mm. It's fun to play really highbrow and lowbrow, like the um, 
the title Wild Boar came to me one day. I can't remember why it came to me, but I thought maybe it would be a good name for a band. And I was maybe be. And then when we were talking about making something, we were talking about like, we all do these things to sort of get our, you know, our ball across the goal line, whether it's being naked or like doing some, you know, sort of big, silly things to like put your feminism or your queer experimentation in a costume that's palatable. Right. Right. And so we were like, maybe the like the most feminist thing we could do is just make some existent, just take up space with like an existential, <laughs> boring piece of tripe, like Mammoth, for instance. Yeah, yeah, with straight white men have yeah. done for, for a really long time. For <laughs> and then, with, so, and it was a very, it was like a moment where I felt like we all knew we were the right trio because. Mm. Um, Zoe and I had already begun some of the research and, and like thoughts about how to start with the writing, which was weird for me because I'm used to starting to arriving at writing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. more than like starting from a place of text. But when we right. decided to do this with all the um, reviews and what and Ursula said, I'm just worried. I mean, oh, so we were just like, so what does it look like to be wildly boring? Like, that's such a weird tension to try to achieve. Mm, Right. And we were like, we're just going to start as a panel discussion, just talking and just being boring and academic. And, and Ursula was like, I, you just, you and, you and Zoe have a, have a, an ease with this kind of academic language. It's not quite my thing. Um, so, and we were like sort of working around how we could work that out. And then Ursula said, and you know, I don't actually want to make, I don't mind making a piece of theater about being boring, but I don't actually want to be some like annoying, right. boring, upper right. middle class thing that people, that, you know, um, doesn't include people. And she's right. like, we don't actually just want to talk out of our asses for an hour. And then we were like, unless... Oh, no. That idea was in the room. So it is a boring panel discussion where we literally talk out of our asses. I am. A lot of ass puppetry. I am so excited. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, other, it is this coming fried. It's it's today. Well, if you're listening to this episode, it's tonight. So get Mm. there tonight. And tomorrow, it's Friday the 27th and Saturday the 28th. There's a $10 discount ticket code. What is it? Tell them. Critic 10. Critic 10, all lowercase. All capitals. All cap, and then the number one zero. Yes. Critic 10 is your $10 discount code to come see it at NYU Skirball. Um, What were some of, I want to get back to the making process. What were some of the, can you say some of the other things or would you like to say some of the other things that you learned about or or that revealed themselves to you about criticism slash journalism around performance in the making of this work? Or would you rather people just saw the show and took yeah, it away? I, I think from something that? I could say is that one of the refreshing things was how eager the critics actually were to have the conversation now that this show was there. Mm, like, great. now that we'd cra- broken the rule and cracked it open, uh-huh. I think part of that came out of the fact that they did have to review it. And it's right. a sort of unreviewable show because, like, you could like it, but you need to be as smart as it, right. as it is when you review it. And if you don't like it, you fear that you're being... 
defensive. The thing that mm-hmm. we're doing in the thing. Right. So some... Outward being that, right. Yeah, like, and then hilariously, there were... Some people just gave it, like, the most... The, like, they played the same game we were playing in the show mm-hmm. in their review in different ways. One person gave us the most appalling review. Like, it just destroyed it with all this really like revolting flowery Mm -hmm. like something said like it was like the leftover trash of an ibis at a i don't know like it went on and on and on and then he gave us five stars oh yeah yeah and then there was like other people and they were always because we've done it mostly over well yeah this is our new york premiere but it's um, your United States premiere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your New York and right. United States premiere. Like these sort of like what in England they call public school boys, which would be our private school, like straight upper, upper, upper posh English boys mm-hmm. writing about the thing. And they would be the ones that would get it so fucking wrong. Like mm-hmm. one of them actually said, isn't it an irony that some of the – so we do a thing too where like we talk about our favorite bad reviews. Mm-hmm. Sort of going like we we are happy to indulge in mm-hmm. the in the fun of a bad review too, and he's like, isn't it an irony that that some of the best lines weren't even written by the makers? And you're like, isn't it just? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah. Yeah. so so there was yeah. that kind of yeah. like wh- like yeah. I cannot see yeah. past my privilege. I don't. Yeah. I can't. I don't know how to. Yeah. yeah. And then there was another one where, like, here are three naked bottoms on the table. They're all white, right? And we're we're also sort of going, like, this is our least gendered, you know, crazy, Space. wildly boring thing right. we can put on the table. Right. And this, like, he still man- managed to do it. Like, he described mine as tan. He was like, there's one... We, something like we three we see three bottoms on stage, one tanned, one spotty, and <gasps> one good old fleshy white one. Oh, insane! Wow. Yeah, good old fashioned white. So what? that so white's good, right? right. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. normal. Right. Yeah, white's yeah. normal. And it's traditional. Yeah. It's old traditional. Right. right. Wow. Yeah. A good old fashioned one. So this right. is a show that's reviewed in the theater part of publications. Mm-hmm. But you've also you also get reviewed for shows in dance. Yeah. For some things. Yeah, for some things. I had a. I've been thinking about this this week about people who write about dance and how complicated that can be. And I was thinking about it in the context of languages because people spend all this time in their life learning how to dance and it becomes a language that isn't spoken by other people that can't really be understood. Mm. It can be looked at and it can be talked about, but it's like if you're somebody who's, who's like a Russian literature expert without speaking Russian, it's like, how much can you really know? Right. So I think often about like dance critics who haven't, who don't have the language of dance in their body, Mm -hmm. who write about dance Mm -hmm. and how there's an integral component that Mm. can't be understood and how Mm. devastating that must be for that critic to (laughs) never be able to fully understand because they don't have that information. They don't have the actual language. If, If they could feel that level of devastation maybe i don't i I don't know that that's i i think um and look there's there's some i think the thing that's been exciting at least in the i mean it's tricky i think it's tricky in terms of dance and 
dance slash contemporary theater slash performance art. It's sort mm-hmm. of who has the who ha- who has enough acumen through the diversity of those fields to come in and and talk about it and to be able to know when someone's pulling from all these different trajectories that. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's, I think that's the part that's also really hard right now in contemporary performance, we could call it, because you might have someone who's drawing from neoclassical ballet and Viennese actionism. Well, if the (laughs) the person coming in doesn't know about Viennese actionism, how, and, but do, and then the other question is, but do they need to know? Right, right. Should they have to know? And the thing is, I would say no, but then off of that. It's like, then what did they get to say they do know? And then who's the review for? Or who is, right. like, who are they writing for? I think is another interesting question. Right, right, and right. what also is the point of it? And I think something you brought up earlier, Adrian, that I do think is also really key is this thing of there also being this, um, some, on where I would say a, a, a deficit would be when they seem to only be able to write about the form and refuse to ask why the content is there. They, they refuse to go along with the question of the person who's made the content, who has a reason for this content. Mm-hmm. And they are like, well, it wasn't this, so it doesn't matter. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, the, my beautiful Balanchine flower, so I want it to go away. Because they are unable to stay with, to sit with the question of why was this made and what is this person going through? And I think that's the thing, too, that especially gets into um, the political landscape of performance. And there's a divide of some mm-hmm. people are like, it does, it shouldn't be about anything personal and it shouldn't be about anything political. Right. And it's like, well, if you feel that way and you want it to just be about, you know, again, this sort of like these king, these dances for the kings, mm-hmm. the dances for the king, really, then stick to that stick in your lane and uh but what is exciting is i do think we do have some critics who are at also say are more journalistic in scope who are actually interested in and understand that the personal is political well and that's like using the word journalistic is so clarifying because a journalist mm-hmm. asks questions right. they don't assume they know the story they ask the questions and a critic criticizes yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's like a, 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 a journalist has to approach something and interrogate it and ask questions, and they don't even know the answers, which makes them have to ask more questions right. to right, get to right, it. Right, right. Whereas a critic, there's like this other, I would say, very like cis straight male, Don Draper kind of like, I sit back in my chair and you come to me, and I'm not, if I don't, if you don't come to me, with something interesting, I don't lean forward. I right. just dismiss you from the office. Mm-hmm. Like, Which really ties into Dances for the King. That yeah. it really does tie into this thing of, well, you know, it need, it, it has to have this, uh, this sheer entertainment mm-hmm. factor right. to it, as well as a real, again, it goes back to this thing of if, uh, only an ability to talk about and their known forms as well as what I would also say. It's right. like their the forms that they feel not only comfortable with, but that they feel comfortable with because those are the forms that make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's it's also this thing of the artist that 
is looking to, uh, I mean, the ways in which I have felt kindred with you of the use of humor to ventilate difficult subjects. Mm -hmm. That is a place where you can see the relief it gives people and the audience, but that can be really off-putting for uh, someone who also doesn't want to bring up questions around abuse or trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, because they don't even want to consider abuse or trauma on as a, as something worthwhile to look at in performance, as if theater doesn't come from catharsis. Right, <laughs> and it, that reminds me of what when we or were both at has something to, to have for catharsis. Yeah, you were saying um, when we were both at Fusebox this yes. year festival in Austin, um, I went to your panel discussion, and the next day, or the panel discussion you were part of, um, where the three panelists spoke about comfort and discomfort a lot. And then the panel I was on was about like women and comedy and performance. And right. uh, That's a, there's a real trend on that as a panel topic, but we were all kind of talking about um, using comedy to like dislocate what using comedy to undermine comedy and do something else with the tension in the room and all of this stuff. And I really came away from that week in Texas thinking about performance that's made from a very, I use this word very inclusively, like a queer vantage Mm -hmm. point or intent or question, which is like takes as a priority, not the only one, but like locating, dislocating and relocating comfort in the room and like using the craft and the architecture of theater and performance whether it's dance or theater or like really fucking with language, like the way Aaron Markey does to change that. And like that as a concern is so different than like the primacy of text Mm -hmm. or, or an era of theater making or a school of, and that that is, and the, and it's precisely the comfort, the relocation of the comfort and the relocation of the discomfort that makes the critics uncomfortable and therefore angry. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And or what do you think that is? Why? I mean, I guess we've already talked a lot about them, about, about the sort of thing, of this thing around knownness that I know, you know, that yeah. the, the way the ego hones in on or the way that it kind of talks about how the id, eventually there's this, it's a very long, I mean, people could read psychoanalysis performance if they wanted to or not, or they could, I mean, it's a long book, but even just the way it begins of talking about, which I think is great, but if you're a performer, you come away from it being like, yeah, I, I do know those things. That if the artist disturbs some people in the audience too much who are very specific in their knownness, who need to feel they know everything, that the id circles right to the superego and the superego circles right back on the id. They become the same and the rage just goes up. Oh. Because they, they're, they're feeling... Mm-hmm. Their rage level just goes goes through the roof because they're the thing around what they've known uh, is too troubled, and that is this thing around where, from a journalistic standpoint, can there be questions right. around it? Right. And I think we've talked about this before a little bit, but I'm not sure, like, if we need to hold critics accountable to know everything. I mean, no. they can only arrive at a show and know what they know and have the experience that they're having. Totally. But then I think you're right in that 
there needs to be questions asked as opposed to just indictments made or right. Well, Wendy Perrin brought up this really Mm. interesting thing years ago about also why bring out machine guns uh, and like all like heavy extreme artillery on uh, work that's also purposeful that is like looking to go into very vulnerable terrain. Mm-hmm. So that is that dyad as well, I think, is really interesting of like a sh- an incredibly sort of violent reaction to vulnerability. And I think that also brings up that brings up some really interesting questions that are then very personal, I would say, to the writer. And uh, there, this is something that we were talking about at this other panel thing at Gibney the other night, but like assessing work, especially ephemeral work, as whether or not it succeeds or fails and what those two words even mean, Mm -hmm. which also speaks to, like, when you bring up, like, what do they know, what should they know, Mm -hmm. what are they allowed not to know? But, like, if you would, if criticism and critic didn't have to do with authority but rather curiosity, Mm -hmm. then they would enter into the work by going... I was completely disassembled by this piece. I had no idea where I stood on the earth, and that was magnificent. You know what I mean? Like, well, and how like life, because yeah. we don't know. And, yeah. it, and, if, and if the artist, or at least how I viewed, or the art that I have really loved is art that has felt like it's given me a broader vantage point, or it's opened me up to something, it's, it's expanded my view, and, there, and thereby helped me mm-hmm. in my life with how much I want to know. We all want to know, of course, but mm. that's how the species are. It's all animals want, you know, the safety, security, but a bigger life gets bigger by, by the mind getting to open mm-hmm. and, and be able to, being able to hold more of what I don't know. Um, the other show that you're speaking of mm-hmm. trauma and <laughs> the other show that you're, it really is redoing. This is a yeah. totally different it's conceptual bonkers. thing around asking for it. So I originally saw asking for it, mm-hmm. which I mean, I could just cry right now Aww. talking about how brave that work is. It's so to, and I explained it to my students this past week. I've told my students to try and come Aww, and see both of the shows if they can, but to do a stand up, uh, the form we could say mm-hmm. I'm putting that in quotes is a stand-up show mm-hmm. and the content is rape mm-hmm. and you do it bottomless mm-hmm. and um, the the ways in which my mind opened and the amount of relief I had in it that also I feel helped me hold some of my trauma better mm. it was really big for me with that piece I'm and I'm sure you get a lot of people who say that yeah I, what I, is your venue for that piece that one is at Joe's pub from uh October 3rd through the 13th but this is a piece you made originally but, in yeah. 2016 15, no 2013 wow like honest I know that sounds like not that long ago but it was so That's long ago, ago. So it was pre-Trump it was pre-Kavanaugh it was pre Ugh. the broader understanding of me too right and Weinstein and all of that yeah so so in that I feel like I was doing a show for personal reasons to like speak to something that I felt like I didn't hear spoken to intelligently enough 
in the world. And I suppose that show's intention was like, they don't know. People don't know. Like, they talk about this so stupidly. It's not about outfits. Not about, you know. And, I, and I, need, I need them to know. And so I'm going to get it on a microphone and put it in a form that will be more palatable, that will get everybody in. And I'll just do it. And I never imagined I'd keep doing it for so long, naively. Turns out rape is a gold mine for a comic and a nightmare for a human. Right. Um, but it just goes on and on. But then the sh- instead of getting less and less revelant, revelant? Help relevant. Me. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Thanks so much. You're literally. I need to remain revelant. Uh, the revenant. Reven- <laughs> literally. Revenant. Like, Adrian is in two techs right now. Uh, yeah. It's currently at a tech at Joe's Pub and a tech downstairs. Yeah. And it's, it's running between Joe's Pub and Skirball every day. That's fun. Thank God they're closed. It's, it's yeah. truly, truly. But, um, so relevant. relevant. It, it got increasingly absurdly relevant. Relevant with the election of Donald Trump. Like, yeah. that is the apotheosis of the bad rape joke yeah. punchline, right? Yeah. Um, so I keep getting asked to do mm. it, and I suppose, like, personally, I don't have... and Personally and aesthetically, it doesn't have the same urgency with me because that let me let a lot of stuff go by yeah. being literally heard yeah. by room f- rooms full of people. Yeah. Um, so I was just thinking about, like, how to update it and... And then, you know, I was always updating it in terms of content. If you were going to guess, how many places have you done this show? How many different venues? I've done it everything from, like, Skirball to a bookshop in Edinburgh to comedy clubs in Queens to... would you say a living room? Would you say over thirty times? Oh god! I mean, yeah. over thirty different places. I mean, probably yeah. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. It's I. I'm really bad at documenting or uh, journaling. Same, but probably same. Yeah, and but it's a show that you've done way past hundreds. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For six years, wow. pretty constantly, and and, it is... and made a bunch of other stuff in the meantime. But oh, yeah. this one keeps being. Yeah being asked for um (laughs) so like you know i was always updating it in content and then that was always like far quote easier than i thought i'd be like oh god i hope it's not stale oh brock turner thanks oh bill cosby thanks and then i just felt like (laughs) how could i update it politically and formally and like post me too and i remember doing a show and it was like it was weird. I did the show in L.A. as like an industry show the week the Weinstein story broke. I did the show here at Skirball in New York the day Louis C.K.'s, quote, apology letter came out. Right. So it just, it's really on the nose. It's a know? gift that keeps on giving. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And it's a solo, which then, means, as we know, yeah. people love a solo. It's so yeah. cheap, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. There's um, no set. Yeah. There's a lot of picture frames. Yeah, it all fits yeah. in one carry-on. Yeah. <laughs> um, it really does. Um, wow. So then it was like, formally, what could it do? And then it just felt... And I also learned, you know, I would, I did get challenged, like, men are not the only people right. who are predatory in this way. Uh, a woman's, uh, cis white woman's naked body on stage is a very different choice than a woman of color or a trans person. And I, you know, I took all that information in, but you can't make a nine hour rape show that includes everything or it's a terrible show. So then it just started to feel like given all of the questions 
that we must ask of ourselves around our, our working community, our casting impulses, our hiring impulses on stage and behind the scenes. It started to feel like, oh, I, I, instead of adding material that I do, I'll, I will keep the material and add people and bodies to see politically how that operates and formally to see how the same material totally transforms on different people with different lived experiences, i.e. me getting on stage naked and talking about Bill Cosby in the context of this show is one thing. Gus Solomons Jr. getting on stage in his divine see-through raincoat mm -hmm. In, in his body and talking about Bill Cosby and that loss and the, the, you know, the complications around that loss is a totally different thing. And we didn't have to change any, any of the text. Wow. And he brings a level of satire that's very right. different from my yeah, satire, um, as well as a level of authority yeah. um, that comes not only from being an African-American man talking about Rick Ross and, and Bill Cosby, but also just an older man with more wisdom. Um, and then also, like, for, for the bodies on stage that are on stage for asking for it um, that, that have penises, you know, what so much came up about their own, and this is like even when they're survivors, about not wanting to upset the people in the audience with the sort of, inherent aggressiveness of a penis mm -hmm. and it was also like well how do we create space for you to be in your own like naked vulnerable body because you're not aggressive and like right. you know our that's the heavy like heart deep heart feeling version of that but you know when we're in rehearsal we're like yeah like my penis is great. My penis has never done anything wrong. It's a great penis. Like, <laughs> gather around, folks. It's fine. And, like, how do we create place for vulnerability around vulnerable bodies that, that are not aggressive inherently? They are looked at as that right. through certain cultural lenses. So it's like, you know, the conversations we've had, because we have, there are now three core performers, me, Jen Kidwell, and Mari Moriarty. I love Jen's. I know so they're much. amazing, and then this actress Shamika Cotton, who's just incredible. Um, and then some people are act. Some people are actors doing what I did initially, which was like play a stand up, until I figured out how to actually do it, and now right. I feel like I'm doing it. Right. And then there's comics who are like used to doing their own material, approaching the same material from a very different thing about like going for punt you know right. so so and then and then conversations with different people about whether they identify as survivors or allies the gender their gendered experience of that and the gender of the people who predated Forward. Who predator. are their uh, predator? No, who are upon? their perpetrator? I see. Perpetrator, thank you. Yeah, their perpetrator or their the predator. Yeah, and right. just like you know, having conversations around that, around how they feel about their bodies and nudity. So there's been like. Did any of the did any of that text come into the piece, or has the text stayed? The text is the same. That's so incredible. And we tried to like include 
include those conversations around other some other choices like dramaturgical choices. But I I'll be interested to see how this show is reviewed because I feel like like I know I know I knew from the minute I had the idea that I knew how to make asking for it work as a solo. Right. But that is such an engagement one on one with the audience and what like there's there's an element of tour de force to it or like right. you gain you gain the audience's trust and that carries them through but now it's like that trust has to be gained by new people each time they get on right. in a way and well, and, and I don't know well, if the reviews will respond to like I don't know I think the experiment of it is really worthwhile mm-hmm. as an artist and as a human I don't know if the show performs as powerfully as the solo or more powerfully. I don't know. Like, I can't tell yet. That'll be, well, when does it open? Uh, October 3rd. Okay. Thursday through Sunday. And then October 10th through 13th. And always with the same group of people. No, that's why we're also like taking a new show every day. What have we done? It's insanity. And are you in it at all? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're in it. And then these other people come in and it's, it's, it's different. It's different groups. And it's something, because you and I had talked about it, mm. to, to be fully true. It was something that Adrian, uh, I'm looking at Reed as I say this, had written me about earlier on. And I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I just was at a spot with my own, of going back over some of the material, not, not, not performance material. Yeah. Life material. <laughs> life material, yeah. That I felt I couldn't. At this at this point, and I, but I so, a of all was, I I really believe in it. I really believe in opening it up, and mm. I really wish I could have done it. It's really a thing that for me, I really wish I could mm. have done. Yeah, it. I know. And There's... my reactions to, I mean, what I've what I've written and what I've explored in terms of what it is to be in a male presenting body that has gone through that, and my the enumerate reactions and internal triggers that uh, that will probably exist for the rest of my life mm-hmm. um, with that is uh, is something that I think there does need to be more dialogue about. And so, so that you have opened it mm. up, that you are an artist who's made a solo, who's now opened it up to other, to a multitude of bodies on stage, I just think is, I, I think that is already a success. It does something, it feels like for me as an audience member, it is also a thing of, and I think we are currently many of us talking about like, well, how, how do we, how, who are we trying to help? How many, et cetera, you know, Mm -hmm. how does that, and how do we do that? So it really seems on the mark. I hope so. It, it, there's definitely, it feels like that, like the getting rid of the trope of the lone, brave whistleblower, right. witness, right. you know, uh, survivor, actor, whatever that thing is. Like, it, there is a way in which it, we feel, it feels like it, it's changed. Like, that version of, like, see me, know what I've gone through, and wish, wish happiness and ease for me right. is, is actually feels more like see me and beware of me because I'm tired of this shit. And yeah. there's an, and it's vocal now. Right. And like, it's not 
there won't be a reaccept there won't be a new era of reaccepting that kind of bodily violence thank mm-hmm. you the apps and i think that is a that's a the way to that predation works is to get the person alone mm-hmm. is to isolate you yeah. is to do something to you so that to isolate you from a sense that therefore you feel you can't uh, speak up for yourself. You can't advocate for yourself. And then once the predator understands that it's worked, then they can move on to the next person and keep yeah. moving on to other people. So it is this thing of really saying no. That is and something that I actually wish was in the show. We're making a documentary. Can we interview? Absolutely. I would also and I would also and I actually feel like the thing that I would be interested in talking about is being someone who was asked who has a body of work behind them mm-hmm. that seems like I should definitely be right. able to get up on stage and do it. And I couldn't. Mm. And what for me, what is that? And I think that's something imperative too, that I think artists and he, just humans. I want to understand that like we go through cycles and there isn't some upward trajectory narrative of recovery from violence. Yeah. And that when you deepen into what happened to you as you, because for in my personal experience, the safer I've gotten, the more kind people I've had around me, the, mm-hmm. the healthier love and uh, things that have been in my life, actually the lower I've been able to drop down into what actually happened. Mm-hmm the more safe I am in my real life. And so then what does that mean as an artist who was making all of this work to keep interrogating all of that? And that I also don't want to, I, since I have incorporated my predators into me to keep beating myself up because we know that's sort of a cycle mm-hmm. of violence that if you've been bullied, then you'll probably bully yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, how do I not do that by being like, oh, I should have been? Because there was such a part of me that was mm. like, you should be so much stronger than this, Jack, and you should get up uh, on Joe's pub, mm, get yeah. pull it together, Queen. And I, but my body mm. was like, nope. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's, well, and yeah, and in from a similar place, differently in making it, there was a moment like I had prepared my. my I mean, I can be, you know, I can talk after six years of doing this show, quite cavalierly about all of it. Um, even the deeply personal parts of being a rape survivor. But um, so I thought I had schooled myself about like what to release that like, you know, there'll be this part and this part I feel like I, I as the author maybe would keep and then just silliness, like that's my favorite bit, but I should give that to someone else, you know? Uh-huh. So, what I would, and then in that way that like, you just keep discovering your layers of trauma. You don't get to just discard them; you get to discover them. Right. And uh, was realizing that like in, not so much with the performers, but in sharing some of the creative control with like uh, director and producer and that kind of thing. Like something happened that seemingly had nothing to do with rape or anything like that. And I was like, oh, I am triggered. I should get out. I, and I was like, I can't have this conversation right now because I will say all the wrong things. Let me sleep on this and talk to my shrink. And it was just like, even though it was a fairly gentle and intentional loss of control, mm. I was mm. like, oh, this show is literally about me regaining control over this period of my life and having literally using 
what I know to craft a way to put it back in the world on my terms. Mm-hmm. And so even though I had invited and welcomed like Ellie Heyman, who's a fantastic director, in to help me like how, help me unpack this because I'm probably way too close to it to figure out how and when and where the other people who are gorgeous and jump in. But like, you know, like, so something that just seemed like, I don't know if that's the right moment. Suddenly I was like reminded about what a loss of control, referencing a moment when you had a loss of control that really mattered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and was like literally called my shrink and was like, I need a double session. (laughs) I know something's happening because of you, because of going to therapy. And, you know. And I deeply, and I think as, and. But if you want hilarity. (laughs) (laughs) I deeply relate to that. And I think, and I think there's also something really fascinating to me too about, about control and about. Why do live performance when there's so much that's out that's becomes out of control in that way mm-hmm. that I think is really an, a, a kind of incredible that I'm be still unpacking. I mean, it was so much that in the when everything is imaginable, mm-hmm. that was what I was trying to unpack in, in the end was this thing of how to mm-hmm. make a score for myself and text that would put me out of control in the way that it was in the way that Mm. that that bullying sector of my life was out of control and then unfortunately that ended up happening in Montmartre and Austin too Mm. where it's like now that way of feeling oh I've made these things I happen formally inside of them the contents there but those feelings are so yeah intense um, so that, so asking, and is it just called asking for it again? It's, it's called not, still asking. Still for asking for it, which is going but to be. But it's still funny, which, even though I, we just I, talked about all this I, stuff, it's still funny. Well, yeah, and it, and it was, and that was the thing. And I think that when I saw it, the way we laughed, I mean, the cereal, I'm not going to say what the cereal joke is, but mm-hmm. the milk and cereal joke is, so I was gagging. <laughs> so dumb. I was gagging. I was coughing. I was laughing so hard. And what humor can do is again help get some get a some objection like a an objective like there's a, yeah. a way to so that the the noose of this violence doesn't get so tight yeah. and that also you get to have the humor back. I remember Viv also saying uh, Justin Vivian Bond saying to me once about when we were talking about you know bullying in all sectors of life. Which is, well, you know, if they don't take, if they're not taking you seriously, why should you? Yeah. And this thing of, and that helped me so much in terms of um, letting go of that and helping it open up. And that's something that I've seen so much in your work, Adrian. Mm. You're such a genius. <gasps> and you, you are, are. I'm a genius absurdist. You are. <laughs> 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 and you are, you have, you are Fucking brilliant and fucking so kind. You both. And well, I love you so much. You and again, thank you so much for coming and talking My with pleasure. us. My yeah, pleasure. Thank that you. That was incredible. Thank you. Everyone, go and see Wild Boar and go and see Still Asking For It. And you can find Adrian Trescott on Instagram mm-hmm. at mi- Missus. Like M I S S U S, like I'm Cockney. Uh huh. Trescott. And then, and a website, AdrianTrescott.com. Wow. Yeah. 
yeah. don't think I've updated that anytime recently. Any time. Well, and how would Nobody you have time? And you're in two techs. Yeah. And I'm going to see you this Saturday. Yeah. We're so excited. I'm gonna, I can't wait I can't to see wait. you. And I can't wait to meet your uh, cohorts. Mm, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Okay. All right. We love you, you. Thank you. She's so unbelievable. I can't wait to see her performances. She's so her it's her intelligence and that again that's paired with humor. Yeah. is really um profound. I guess the whole conversation left me a little bit uh feel obviously feeling a little bit stirred up because as makers and people who have been affected by criticism like there are feelings around it and even for someone like me who does I don't have a particularly fraught relationship with criticism and but you know the papers and and New York publications have been generally very kind and uplifted both your and my careers mm-hmm. um you know when things are written about you it's almost impossible not to take them to heart and um this this talk left me wanting to make sure that there's an understanding about how we talk about critics on this podcast because there's like a tone of criticism of indictment of of dislike of etc and that's not always the case obviously no and i mean and i think when i brought up you know critics and i put like slash journalists because it's the people who actually take an approach of bringing in questions right that they have or um allowing for work that functions outside of their purview right to uh to still be able to be talked about rather than just dismissed yes i think when makers performers etc talk about or complain about critics there can be a sense of it can seem a little pathetic or or um desperate in this way but there are situations where the critic themselves cannot be considered the final word it's not it's not really fair the conversation can continue beyond what's written and so i know that you have been criticized for criticizing critics in your own work yeah and I don't feel like that makes you shrill or a complainer. I think it just means that you're interested in continuing the conversation or defending yourself. Well, in those cases actually, I think when I have looked at it it's been a thing about objectification that in performing there's no way to be a performer and not be objectified. Right. And that that also then means you open yourself up to um various forms of violence. Yes. And that I think uh that to then explore that in the work is interesting. Yeah. Because and it can be really funny and dark. And- yeah. Well, and also it brings up the way that happens in our lives. Yeah. I mean, the all the world's a stage, honey, yeah. as Ms. Shakespeare said. And so this uh the ways in which you can feel that at a at a performance public level i think also can happen at the private level i mean 
we also know of people who have felt um, criticized by us who have taken it very personally and have felt very overwrought about it. Well, I mean, I think our, it's interesting to, to, to be here with you and sort of ask the question, like, what are the, what is expected of us or like what are our responsibilities as mm-hmm. podcasters? Our mm-hmm. podcast is for fun. Mm-hmm. We do this as a project for you and I, we stay connected. Uh, most of our listeners are very interested in the part of our podcast, which is merely our relationship and not so much what we have to say about dance though. I think what we do have to say about dance and performance is interesting. Sure. We have we have sort of very long, deep, and varied experience. Yeah. And so we have things to say which are not to be discounted. But we did um we ended up in a situation where we where we were bullied. Yeah. Like quite aggressively right. about our role as people who can talk about dance and who can criticize critics. Right. And we're allowed to. That's, that is correct. I mean, that is we're correct. absolutely allowed to, and that can't be questioned. We're not stupid. We're incredibly experienced and educated, I would say. In terms of the breadth of knowledge that people have yeah. about dance and about performance, we're allowed to talk about it, yeah. and we're allowed to be taken seriously. Yeah. Even though we laugh and we have fun, well, and because and, we're and, lucky. Well, and also, and didn't we just have an experience of someone who is wildly intelligent and who can laugh and have fun? Right. And I'm sure there's a lens through which people can listen to this podcast where you and I can be perceived as vapid or um, irresponsible or well, silly Viv, and, and stupid. As Viv said to me, if people don't take you seriously, why should you? And we'll continue to be shrill and vapid and <laughs> talk about dance and be silly. And talk about movies and P50. Yes. Mm-hmm. So at any rate, uh, we're still going to be podcasting and <laughs> we're still going to talk about stuff that'll make some people uncomfortable. And um, chances are, if you've got something to say, someone will be uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's fun to listen to a podcast where you can disagree or agree and you know, feel like you also want to be a part of that conversation. There and, must be room for disagreement. Yeah. And, and in, our, our bully world. really wanted to be a part of this conversation. Well, guess what? I don't want to talk to you <laughs> 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 because I'm not interested in anything you have to say. I mean, certainly when someone is that violent, we no longer can be interested in what they have to say. No, they're no, no longer a voice of reason. No, no. But anyways, I saw the movie Hustlers last night. <gasps> I saw it with Michelle. It, it is, is incredible. It was Jack. Oh my god! You know what? I cried. When did you cry? I cried when she okay, was on the spoiler couch. Spoiler alerts! And spoiler alerts! Well, that was very deeply moving. I cried outside the police station when they had to separate. Yes. Here's what I want to say. Because it was really there was so much love. I really hope J Lo gets an Oscar. I know, I know. It Constance was, Wu and J-Lo. I have chills. I know. I have chills to keep at it. It is, when, when J-Lo first came out to do her first dance. I, was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, at first I, at first I says, I says to myself, looks like J-Lo. And then I was like, it, it is. is. Except you can't believe how incredible she looks. She's 50. It's insane. And she did that routine 
herself. I know. Did you watch the video of her learning no, and everything? I just could see it. It she, was her body. Like, she got, like, got bruises from learning on the pole and everything. When she's ter- teaching uh, Constance Wu how to do the different pole mm-hmm. moves, I couldn't... J-Lo gives such a phenomenal performance in this movie when she threw Constance Wu onto the ground and, and got, grabbed the phone out of her hand. Oh, my gosh. Hook. There's so much sort of depth to this movie that, you know, in a trailer you'd think, oh, this is like a fun movie about strippers. And mm-hmm. it is much, much more than that. It's about survival and misogyny. And it's also about friendship. Yeah. And it, it's also about the financial crisis. Yes. And men who got to get away with it and women who didn't. I mean, the way that it that it framed that as well of that all of these uh, finance men get to get away with robbing right. the country. And this is a movie that where every pe- person in it is clocking in an incredible performance. Um, incredible. Cardi B teaching her how to do a lap dance. Oh my God. Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer running away. No. And running away. <laughs> Kiki Palmer it, getting it, too it, much champagne in her mouth. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who's the girl who throws up? I don't all know, the but time? she's also incredible. She was. She was incredible. Also, the cocaine girl from Handmaid's Tale. That's who she is. Yes. The freeze frame on her face. Um, the director is, I want to say. I don't know. Laura, I don't know. Laura. She wrote it as well. So, um, and I guess who it was who passed on the movie. Who was originally was going to direct it. And so then it got to go back to. A man? The, question uh-huh, mark? Uh-huh. Scorsese. <laughs> And he was like, no. And so fortunately, it got to go back. Thank goodness. To a woman. To to the woman who wrote it. So she said, look up her name on your phone. Okay. It's really. Because we're going to really, celebrate this person. It, she was so. It, she was. It was so. that. Also, what about just the. the when um, the Lord song plays and we're just following J-Lo for a while and Juicy. Her name is Lorene Scafaria. Right. Lorraine, I think. Lorraine. Lorraine Scafaria. Um, it was when it's when it's following J Lo going to the ATM and that Lord song's playing mm-hmm. and it's a, and you think it's gonna shift when the music shifts, but it doesn't. And you just keep on her uh-huh. the steady cam work. Amazing. The the part where Constance Wu gets home from the bad night and runs across the street to her neighbor. Oh my that goodness! Long shot, incredible. With and then goes to the school with blood on her blouse. I'm absolutely sure that this is probably this is my favorite movie of 2019. It's really really good. And you know what? I would go see it again. Me too. Maybe we should go see it again. I would see it again. The I scene really- with Usher. <laughs> What's your name, baby? That and also thinking about J Lo and Usher shooting it. J-Lo's dress in that scene? J-Lo. I, J-Lo. J-Lo. May I, may I, may I go that way? May, you know, God, if you're out there, to please think help me. J-Lo has appeared so sporadically on film and then recently has just been headlining like a police drama on network television. Right. Suddenly to take such a star turn in a huge movie is, thank God. It was... It was really beyond. Really, really good. Yeah. Really, 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 really yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Five stars. Five. Ten, t- ten stars. Five stars. <laughs> Five stars each equals ten stars. Go see Hustlers. And go buy your P50 
1970. P50V 1970. We're going to have Danielle gonna on. Oh, Danielle, the facialist. I don't... I, Aesthetician? I don't know, but I really love her. Wow. I really want her to come on the pod. Are you going to the Aunt Teresa shows? No, you're going to be at school. I'm going to... I leave tomorrow. Uh-huh. I leave tomorrow to go back up to school. Are you going... But I will be at Wild Boar on Saturday. I saw Jules. Oh. It was lovely. It was oh, great casting. Megan Fairchild is really something in Ruby's. She really, like, finds... She finds things in the choreography that you never saw before. Sarah Diamonds. Oh, it was so important. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so stupid when it comes to her. It's crazy. But it was really... She listens. She really listens. Let's go see... Are they going to do Stravinsky Violin Concerto? Not this season. Russell mm. and Sarah. It's important. Are they cast again coming up? In anything together? No. Are, is Jules done now? Jules is done. Okay. It'll come back. It always comes back. Yeah, yeah. It always comes back. But what should we go see together? Uh, up at City. We, uh, I mean, I really just want to see Stravinsky Violin Concerto when it moves. It's not happening. That's, it's, that, Those aren't happening. Well, then, I don't know what to say. Oh, they're doing um, Serenade in Love, conjunction always. with something good. I hope it comes to me. It's not coming. It's not coming. Symphony and C. No. Mm-mm. Mm. Shoot. Serenade and something. Hmm. Shoot. I'm so sorry, but it's a great program. <laughs> oh, Summer Space. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, that is a great program. Serenade Summer Space. What a beautiful show. Oh, How about wow. talk about environment, just creating environment. When? Beats me. <laughs> uh, well, look, and if I'm in town, maybe we can go see that. <gasps> and then Pam Tanowitz's piece of Paul Taylor, which everyone should go see. Also get your tickets for Goldberg Variations oh, at yeah. the Joyce. At the Joyce. I think Jeremy already got our... T- I've already seen it, but going again. Duh. Yeah. Um, it's a great show. It's a gorgeous show. It's a great show. Um, oh, Beth Gill had her baby. Oh, no. So cute. So cute. Well, I'll show you. We're going to end the podcast now so I can show it to you. I was thinking of like other choreographers who I love so much. And people know I'm obsessed with that. We got off the topic of critics. It was stressful for me. Mm, Okay. Well, Um, (laughs) all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, another, we love you. We do love you.